Hi, I'm Ashwarya, the producer of Rumors. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Your love and support means a lot and has taken Rumors to new heights. I'm the head of originals at Bound. In addition to our own hit podcasts, we also help brands and storytellers create high-quality, knowledgeable, and stellar podcasts with our end-to-end podcast and video production services. So if you want to get started on your podcasting journey or even analyze if a podcast is the right step for you, reach out to me at aishwarya at boundindia.com. That's A-I-S-H-W-A-R-Y-A at boundindia.com. Or you can reach out to us at Bound India on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Bound. This show is made for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to outrage, insult, defame, or hurt any religion or religious sentiments, beliefs, feelings of any person, entity, class, or community, and does not encourage or propagate any superstition, black magic, and or witchcraft. Listeners should exercise their discretion. South Asia, and particularly India, is obsessed with snakes. From the ability to take on the form of beautiful human beings to avenging the death of their loved ones, our folklore has granted snakes a lot of natural and supernatural powers. Pop culture hasn't been too far behind, giving us gems like the unintentionally funny Bollywood film Jani Dushman and the unimaginatively titled soap operas like Nagin, which has the supernatural ability to go on for season after season after season after season. And it isn't just desi pop culture. After all, who can forget Harry Potter's weirdly cast and misnamed villain, Nagini? So where did India's cultural fascination with snakes come from? This is the origin story of the Ichadhari Nagin. This is Rumours. I am Chandrama Das. Join me as I shine a light on the darkest corners of India, where fact and fiction combine into magical and haunting stories. Deep inside a tropical forest, a couple lies on the ground. The forest is lush with vines and grass, and fresh dewdrops hang from tree leaves. Quite the idyllic romantic setting. This couple is usually very alert and sensitive to their surroundings. But right now, the setting has lulled them into a false sense of security. Their bodies become entwined in each other, lost in the throes of pleasure. Nothing can break through 
this cocoon of love. The couple embracing on the forest floor are a couple of snakes. Suddenly, strong vibrations reach the snakes through the ground. They realize these are footsteps. The animals making these footsteps are already too close. And they aren't just passing through the forest. They mean to harm the snake couple. These animals making footsteps are humans. The snakes desperately try to separate themselves from each other. But their panic prevents them from untangling the knots in time. Still struggling to get back into a defensive position, the male snake feels a sharp pain. A hunter has hit him with a stick. Blows rain upon the poor mating snake couple. Red blood seeps into the green forest floor. The humans laugh and gloat at the destruction they've unleashed. And then they leave. The female snake watches in grief as her mate dies a slow, painful death from his injuries. She's hurt too, but she somehow survives the attack. Broken and bleeding, the female snake, or Nagin, tastes the air deeply and memorizes the vibrations through the ground. She vows to remember the hunters through their body chemistry and the sound of their footsteps. Then, she vows to avenge her mate. The Nagin retreats into the depths of the jungle, where she undertakes a long and difficult tapasya, or penance. She prays to Lord Shiva, the Hindu god of destruction. For several years, the Nagin completely abstains from using her venom. Finally, Lord Shiva appears before her. He grants her a boon as a reward for all the penance she has been through. He will give her whatever she wants. The snake bows before him and asks for justice. She wants her species to be protected from the careless humans. Lord Shiva considers the request and grants the snake the ability to shapeshift. This is what makes the Nagin an Ichadhari. She can now take on the appearance of any creature with the power of a simple wish or her Ichha. Shiva then extends his boon to her entire species. He declares that any snake which abstains from using its venom for a long period will also gain the ability to shapeshift or become Ichadhari. The Nagin expresses her gratitude to Lord Shiva and takes on the form of a beautiful human woman. Drawing upon her painful memory of the hunter's chemistry and their vibrations, she hunts down and kills every human who had taken part in the senseless murder of her mate. Of course, Nagin's stories in popular culture don't always tell the story with empathy for the poor snake. The motives of humans vary. There's one where humans are in the forest out of desperation. They need some gem, wealth or healing power to save a relative. A power which the snakes are stubbornly guarding. So the humans are forced to kill the snake 
because their own survival and future prospects depend on getting the treasure. Such stories usually justify the defeat and murder of the snake. Then there are versions where the hunters kill the helpless snake by accident or through sheer carelessness. In such stories, the hunters are portrayed as irresponsible but innocent. The motives of the female snake also change. There are versions of the lore where the ichchadhari nagin doesn't want justice for the wrong done to her mate, but is simply on a power trip, killing dozens of innocent people before being vanquished by a human hero. Finally, there are the horror romance versions of the lore where the nagin falls in love with a human man and becomes his protector. Well, you get the drift. Stories of the Ichadhari Nagin are flexible, as flexible as the snake herself. They shift their shape according to the needs of the storyteller. This is probably why the Ichadhari Nagin lore is a MacGuffin of sorts for Indian pulp fiction writers. But apart from being a flexible story device, is there anything else that explains our collective obsession? with ichadhari nagins just like fairy tales every lore has a message behind it and it's the message that causes us to relate and propagate the story in the ichadhari nagin lore we find two recurring messages the obvious one is stay away from snakes and protect the environment snakes represent nature and the wealth that she holds and the human hunters represent the mindless destruction that we inflict upon nature and her creatures a deeper message is the relationship between abstinence and power in some versions any cobra that lives for 100 years without using its venom can attain the powers of the ichadhari the venom then hardens and becomes a gem on the cobra's hood this gem known as a nagmani or nagaratnam grants the snake its shape-shifting abilities in some versions the nagmani itself becomes the object of human greed leading men into paths of desire and destruction the nagin is often shown as a femme fatale she first seduces the villains and then kills them using their own lust and greed against them Either way, the Ichadhari Nagin lore tells us that the consequences can never be good for greedy and careless humans in the long run. Nature will eventually respond to our greed by giving her creatures new powers to defend themselves through the process of evolution. And thus, someday, nature will exact her revenge upon us. So where did the lore of the Ichadhari Nagin come from? Did it always exist in this form or has the lore also been changing shape with time? If we look back a few hundred years to medieval India, we find a slightly more expanded version of the Nagin lore. She comes to us in the form of the goddess Ma Manasa Devi. Manasa Devi is the subject of many conflicting mythologies. The Puranic scriptures say that she was created directly 
from the mind or manas of a sage named Kashyap. The creator god Brahma made her the presiding deity of snakes and reptiles. Later, Lord Krishna granted her divine powers and even ritually worshipped her, thus making her an established goddess of the pantheon. Much like the modern Ichadhari Nagin, Ma Manasa can choose to appear in any form she desires. Snake, half-snake, half-human and fully human. She can control and command other snakes. And she even has the power to heal snake bites and remove poison. Then came the Mangal Kavyas, composed in medieval Bengal. These devotional songs and stories present over 50 versions of Ma Manasa's story. Though these myths don't present Ma Manasa as a full-blown goddess. They underline her short temper and tendency to remain dissatisfied. There's a recurring theme of rejection in these later stories, be it from Shiva, who is depicted as Ma Manasa's father, her stepmother, the goddess Chandi, or her husband. Ma Manasa is kind to her devotees, but harsh towards people who refuse to worship her. She is denied full goddess status in these stories, and her aim, therefore, becomes to establish her authority and to gain human devotees. Ma Manasa is clearly more powerful than your average Ichadhari Nagin. She's a full-blown goddess in Puranic mythology. But later texts seem to demote her to a demigoddess, struggling to establish her status and gain entry to the main pantheon. There seems to be a gradual watering down of her powers with time. There's a pattern here. The further back we go, the more powerful snakes become in Indian mythology. Our ancient forests were full of snakes. And it's no surprise that ancient Indian mythology is filled to the brim with tales of serpents. These creatures eclipse the mere nagins of TV serials. They were the Nagas. The Nagas are depicted as a semi-divine race of half-human, half-serpent beings. While they possess many supernatural abilities, Nagas are mortal and can be killed. Their chief ability, as you can guess, is shape-shifting. And because they are shape-shifters, their appearance varies in lore, from human to semi-human to full serpent. Typically, Nagas are clever but short-tempered creatures that mimic the characteristics of snakes. They are stand-ins for nature herself or as guardian deities of the Earth's resources. They guard material wealth, but also supernatural and even spiritual wealth. And like the Ichadhari Nagin, Nagas also appear youthful and beautiful. Like many supernatural creatures in Hindu mythology, Nagas didn't come from the human plane. They originate in the secret underground netherworld of Patal Lok. Nagas can come up to the human plane only through water bodies. No wonder the Kashmiri word for water bodies is Nag. So how old exactly is Naga lore? And how powerful can they get? Well, 
if you go by Hindu mythology, Nagas predate the creation of the world itself. The primordial snake in Puranic Hindu mythology is Adi Shesha, also known as Shesh Nag. Adi Shesha is described as a massive snake floating through space. Sometimes he is depicted with five, seven, or ten heads, but in some depictions, he has as many as a million heads. In the Bhagavad Gita, Adi Shesha is called Anant Shesha, or the Infinite One. His coils are the bed upon which the God Vishnu rests. The entire material universe, including all the planets, rests upon his hood. Time moves forward, and creation takes place only when Adi Shesha uncoils. And if he ever coils back, the universe shall cease to exist. Conceptually, this means that Adi Shesha is a primordial being. that exists outside of our physical universe even when the world is destroyed adi shesha will remain as he is mind boggling isn't it adi shesha has a younger brother named vasuki just as adi shesha appears alongside lord vishnu vasuki is the snake coiled around lord shiva's neck in fact almost all hindu gods and goddesses continue to be depicted with nagas be it ganesha kartikeya or the various forms of devi the nagas were also key figures in buddhism 6 weeks after gautam buddh sat down to meditate under the bodhi tree in gaya a storm arose it rained heavily for 7 days but curiously the buddha's deep meditation was not disturbed The Naga king Mukalinda emerged from beneath the earth and covered the Buddha's head with his seven snake heads sheltering him. When the storm cleared, the serpent king assumed his human form, bowed before the Buddha, and returned to his palace. The image of Buddha meditating under the protection of Mukalinda continues to be a common motif in Lao Buddhist art. These mythologies show us that snakes used to be thought of as amazing magical creatures. They were associated with healing, not just in South Asia but across cultures. Perhaps ancient and medieval people who witnessed a snake shedding its skin may have believed that snakes are immortal or at least have the power to heal themselves. The magical godlike powers of snakes led to some interesting claims. Many royal families in South Asia declared they had descended from the Nagas. The family legends of the Pallava dynasty, who ruled a significant portion of the Deccan plateau for about 600 years, say that their ancestor descended from Ashwatthama, that legendary warrior from the Mahabharata. and his union with a naga princess other royal dynasties that claim descent from nagas include the dynasty of manipur and the funan dynasty that ruled in southeast asia 
Royal lineages were not the only ones who made use of the Naga lore. In his treatise Arthashastra, the ancient polymath Chanakya proposed psychological warfare tactics around this lore. He suggested that soldiers could create a diversion during war by impersonating a naga in the enemy kingdom. The soldier would wear a costume and emerge near a water body inside the enemy kingdom. He should then demand complete surrender. Otherwise, a horde of magical nagas would descend. This was Chanakya's tactic to scare the enemy king and convince him to accept defeat without a war ever having to be fought. Naga lore became so popular that it went viral. Stories of nagas made their way out of India, Sri Lanka and Nepal all the way to Southeast Asia where the serpent motif can still be found in many of their ancient constructions and art. But as time went on, folklore and mythology depicted nagas with lesser and lesser powers until they were watered down to the Ichhadhari nagins. This modern-day casting as supernatural creatures and horror movie monsters makes it increasingly harder to visualize them as the gods they once were. And while snake worship continues to be a part of many rites and rituals on the subcontinent, belief in nagas as divine creatures is on the decline. So why did creatures who originated as gods and demigods become relegated to supernatural monsters in popular culture? Perhaps the Nagas are the South Asian equivalent of the old Greek and Roman pantheon, who became relegated to the background when newer gods arrived. Unlike them though, the Nagas were assimilated and included into Hindu and Buddhist pantheons, but only as lesser deities. In another sense though, the Nagas are like the old Norse gods, Loki, Thor and Odin. They've all found a place in modern culture through popular superhero stories. Loki and Thor's myths are retold in Marvel superhero movies, while the Nagas appear as Ichhadhari Nagins in Ekta Kapoor serials. Perhaps this shows us how destructive time can be. Time is so powerful that it can even erode the status of gods. Perhaps all old gods whether they be Nagas, Greek or Norse, eventually retire from full-time worship and live on in the realms of superhero or supernatural pop culture. A well-told Nagin story still has power over Indian audiences. For though the West gave us the silly label of snake charmers, we were the ones being charmed by snakes all along. Thank you for listening to Rumours, where fact and fiction combine into magical and haunting stories. I'm Chandrima Das, collector and teller of Dark Tales, and the creator of this podcast in collaboration with Bound, a company that helps you grow through stories. Produced by Aishwarya Zawalgekar and sound designed by Aditya Arya. 
Join me every Friday on this quest into the lesser known side of the subcontinent. Subscribe, rate and review for new episodes every week. Sleep safe tonight. Who knows what awaits in the dark? Mm-hmm.